Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So what is leadership? That's a question that I found myself asking a lot over the past couple of weeks. And uh, that I think that I and many of us are going to be asking ourselves over the next hundred days or so uh, as the presidential campaign in our country uh, continues and, uh, and hopefully culminates in an election at some point in November. Uh, and uh, maybe we can uh, be done with it and ready to move on. Uh, and turn the page. It feels like we're like an election cycle forever in this country. So we're always thinking about these questions of leadership. Uh, and then uh, because we have a, uh, uh, a system of self-government in which we uh, have not only the right but the responsibility to uh, critique our leaders and to uh, chastise sometimes our leaders or support our leaders, but it's based on our uh, judgment of their uh, performance, uh, we, that question of what is leadership and what do we look for in a leader is something that uh, ought to be part of our uh, value system and part of our, the, way we, uh, the way we view the world. So it's not only a question that's relevant to the election cycle, although I, like many of you, I've been thinking about that question a lot in this past week. And uh, whether it's by coincidence or divine providence, uh, the weekly Torah portion often has a direct connection, a direct relevance to what is going on in our lives, what is going on in the world. A friend of mine uh, used to say, uh, Mamish, it's always about the parsha. Right? So everything that's happening in the world, no matter what happens, somehow it's always about the Torah portion. And indeed, this week in our Torah portion, Parsha Pinchas, we have a clear section about the demands of leadership and the values that the Jewish tradition, that the Torah places in how we look at our leaders and what we should look for in our leaders. So toward the end of the Torah portion, Moses turns to God and says, I know, because we learned this a couple of Torah portions ago, I know that I'm not going to be allowed to go into the promised land. I'm not going to be able to lead the people into the promised land, so I need to make sure that there's a succession of leadership. I need to make sure that there is somebody who comes after me to lead the Jewish people into the promised land. He says, we need a leader over the community to go out before them and to enter in before them, to take them out and to bring them in so that the community of God is not like a flock of sheep without a shepherd. We need to find a shepherd. I can't leave this world unless we find a replacement for me. And so this is a moment 
in which we see both Moses's and God's perception of what a fitting leader is for the Jewish people in Moses' stead. And of course, if you read a little bit further, you realize that they select Yehoshua bin Nun, uh, Joshua the son of Nun, who we've uh, met actually a few other times previously uh, in the Torah before this, who's known in rabbinic literature as uh, Moses' uh, primary student, primary disciple, uh, a leader of, uh, of, uh, of one of the tribes, uh, maybe his attendant. Um, so it's not a surprise that Joshua is chosen here, uh, but nevertheless, Joshua is chosen here. But the language that is used when Moses brings up this topic to God is, I think, worth us focusing on because it's in this language, I think, that we see what the values are that a tradition looks for in a leader. So Moses turns to God. We had a bear Moshe el Adonai lemor. If you're following along at home, I'm on uh, chapter 27, uh, verse uh, 15. Moses says to God, saying, Let the Lord, God of the Spirit of all flesh, take note of a person to place before the congregation. That will go out before them and that will enter in before them. That will lead them out and that will bring them in. And so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like a flock of sheep that has no shepherd. The way Moses addresses God there is sui generis in all the Torah. Nowhere else in the Torah is God referred to as Elohei Haruchot Lechol Basar, the God of the spirit of all flesh. And so whenever there is a unique turn of phrase, especially in relation to God in the Torah, the rabbinic tradition always asks, why is that term specifically used, and why is that term specifically used right here? The God of the Spirit of all flesh. And why is it used in the context of leadership? What does the Spirit of all flesh have to do with leadership? And so, Rashi, the great medieval commentator, quoting um, a uh, famous Midrash, says, asks that very question. Lama Ne'emar, why is it said like this? Why does Moses say the creator of, uh, of the God of the spirit of all flesh? It's as if Moses had said to him, Ribono shel olam, master of the world. It is revealed and known before you the intelligence of every person the disposition of every person, the values of every person. And no person is the exact same as any other person. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different wisdom. Everyone has a different knowledge. Everybody has a different disposition. Everybody has a different personality. And you know, God, 
that each and every person in the community of Israel is different. Mana alehem manhig shehe sovel kol echad bechad lefi daato. And so, God, I want you to select for them a leader who will be patient with each and every person according to each and every person's capability, according to each and every person's personality, according to each and every person's needs and wants and directions. It's not lost on the commentators that ruchot, spirit, of all people that's used here can mean a couple of things. First, the spirit of all people. God is referred to as the God of the spirit of all flesh because, Moses says, that each and every person has a unique spirit. And so a leader must acknowledge and affirm and celebrate the unique spirit of each and every person. Each and every person is different. And know that leadership is about holding people together in their diversity. Not only being the leader of a certain segment or a certain group of people with which you most align or that you decide you most care about or you decide is the most important. About holding people together who disagree about things and therefore need time to process an idea of how to move ahead and how to move forward and debate it and hold it together and wrestle with it. And maybe embrace it or maybe not. What the president has called a few times the hard but necessary work of self-government. Which is an opportunity for everybody to wrestle with those issues that are going to lead them forward. Because nobody is going to be able to do it for them. And so Moses is saying to God, each and every person is different. Each and every person has a unique spirit, a unique soul, and we need a leader who recognizes the uniqueness of every person and is patient with them, is patient in his leadership, who holds everybody together and walks with them and not too far ahead of them. Ruchot in Hebrew can also mean directions. And so saying God is Elohei Ruchot Lechol Basar means that God is the God of people who are of diverse direction in life. And so a leader needs to be able to hold together people who move in different directions and to lead them forward even though they might all want to go in different ways. Which requires, again, the word that's used here, sovel, Patience, endurance, grit. That's what Moses asks for God to choose in a leader. Asher Yitzay Lifnehem, a leader, somebody who goes out ahead of people. Asher Yavo Lifnehem, somebody who enters in before people. A leader's got to be a little bit ahead of the curve. But not just somebody who's out there leading the charge. Not somebody who's just out there on their own carrying the banner and saying, if you're with me, come with me. If you're not, I don't care about you. But also, asher yotziem the asher yaviem. Somebody who goes out with 
them and enters in with them, which requires a leader who is willing to be with the people in all of their complexity and in all of their diversity, which requires patience, endurance, grit, being able to hold people together in their complexity and diversity and not abandon them and not leave them and not just take along those who are willing to follow, but to hold everyone together, which requires hard work and perseverance. Wisdom. Wisdom. What did you say? Integrity. Integrity. Thank you, everybody. Let's do this mad lips here. Uh, and respect for each and every person. But here's what's interesting about this passage to me is why this Torah portion? Moses finds out a couple of Torah portions ago that he's not going to be able to enter into the land of Israel. That would have been the natural time for him to ask God, okay, then let's pick a successor. Maybe it should have been after Korach, which was the next Torah portion after we find out that Moses uh, was, not, uh, was, was not to enter into the land of Israel. There was a, a coup attempt against Moses. Moses could have then said to God, we need a successor for my leadership. Or maybe later in Deuteronomy, when Moses is about to die, he could have said then, let's choose a successor. So why here? Why in the story of Pinchas do we have this question of succession? Great Hasidic master, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, offers the following answer that I think is so illuminating. Commenting on this uh, question of, uh, of, of choosing a successor, he says this, Ka'asher ra'a Moshe godel chashivato shal pinchas, chashash shema yivchar lemanhig velohutav hadavar be'enei Moshe. Sheheh Yisrael manhig kenai kazeh. So when Moses saw the great esteem that Pinchas was held in, he became worried lest the people choose him as their leader. And it was not good in the eyes of Moses that the Jewish people would have a zealous leader like Pinchas. So let's remember who Pinchas is for a moment. Pinchas is the grandson of Aaron the priest, the son of Eleazar the high priest. Once Aaron dies, Eleazar's son becomes the high priest. Pinchas is the son of Eleazar. Uh, and Pinchas is the chief of the guards of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And when the Israelites are camped at Baal Peor, uh, in the land of Moab, uh, there is an attack on them uh, from the king of Moab, Balak, which we, who we read about in last week's Torah portion. And Balak decides not to engage them in direct warfare, but tries to engage them in spiritual warfare. So Balak first sends Bilam, a, a non-Jewish prophet, to go and curse the people. But every time he goes to try to curse the people, only blessings come out of his mouth. So that plan doesn't work. So Balak and Bilam have a second plan, 
which is to try to spiritually seduce the people with idolatry and sexual impropriety. And according to some commentators, those were linked together. And so they sent out the uh, beautiful Midianite women to cohabit with the men of Israel and lead them and seduce them into idol worship. And Pinchas sees this happening in the community, sees a leader of the Israelite community about to engage in some kind of, whether religious or not religious, cohabitation with a Midianite uh, uh, princess, and takes his spear, and as they are engaged in the act of cohabitation, takes it upon himself to pierce them both through the belly and kill them. Now, there is great debate in the Jewish tradition, uh, in the rabbinic tradition, about the, uh, the rightness of Pinchas' act. According to some people, he's a hero. According to some people, he did maybe what needed to be done, but he shouldn't be celebrated. And according to some people, he actually committed a sin. Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk is sort of indifferent on that question, but for sure knows that the character trait of Pinchas that may have been necessary for that act in particular is not a good quality in a leader. Zealotry is not a good quality in a leader. A lack of understanding of people is not a good quality in a leader. A lack of patience is not a good quality in a leader. A desire for retribution and and personal justice and vengeance, vigilante justice, is not a good quality in a leader. But Moses sees that someone like Pinchas is esteemed in the eyes of the community. Why? Because people looking at who's going to take me forward love to see strength, love to see decisiveness, love to see people making the hard choices that they may not like and they may not choose themselves, but get the job done. And so Pinchas is venerated in the eyes of the community. And Moses says, if Pinchas is going to become leader because the people want him to be leader, it will be a disaster for the Jewish people. Because leadership is about holding diverse people together, about celebrating their difference, about enabling them to converge around their differences and moving them along a little bit at a time with patience and understanding. And those are not qualities that Pinchas has. And so Moses begs God, don't let Pinchas become the leader of the people. The Kutzka Rebbe says, therefore he asked the Holy Blessed One, that the leaders of the Jewish people will it will be patient with every single person. Klomar ye manhig savlan vulo manhig knai. That we should have patient leaders and not zealous leaders. This is one of the reasons, I think, that the Jewish tradition associates Pinchas with Elijah. Because Elijah is also referred to in the Bible as Kana, Kanai, zealous or jealous, impulsive and eager to act on behalf of God. And they are 
aligned in that way, and it's not, uh, it shouldn't be lost on us that Elijah is also associated with the Messianic era, with the advent of the Messianic era, of a time in which the entire world will be perfected and all people will come together. So how does Pinchas become Elijah, and how does Elijah become a Messianic figure? In the Haftorah. So Elijah is this zealous warrior for God. He considers himself the only person in his time who is willing to act and be loyal to God, which should tell you something about the nature of that kind of leadership. It's entirely solitary and entirely impatient of difference and distinction and division and the the fact that people may not be 100% aligned with him. And that's who Elijah is in the time of Ahab and Jezebel. And so Elijah flees into the desert from Ahab and Jezebel. He goes as far as the mountain of God at Choreb, we're told in the book of Kings. He goes to Mount Sinai. There he went into a cave, and there he spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said to him, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I am moved by zeal for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left, and they are out to take my life. Come out, he called, God called, and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And lo, the Lord passed by. There was a great and mighty wind, splitting mountains and shattering rocks by the power of the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... Cold mama daka, a soft murmuring sound, a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his mantle about his face and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice addressed him Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah discovers in that moment that God is not in the fire and in the brimstone. God is not in the anger and in the vengeance. God is not in the quick and decisive retributive action, but in the softness and the stillness, the indistinguishable words of collective whispering and talking. And Elijah realizes in that moment that the only way to bring about the rule of closeness with God that he so desires is not through anger and not through violence and not through coercion but by softness by peace Elijah overcomes in time the character flaw that makes Pinchas his spiritual predecessor unfit for leadership And it's why Elijah is the harbinger of the Messianic era. Because only when people are brought together, only when justice and peace are sown, can this world be redeemed. And the Messianic era, an era of justice and peace brought upon all of us. The nature of leadership in the Torah is someone who's soft and patient and welcoming of diversity. 
Elijah learns that only in the end and will return to us only when we, in the end, learn it too.